0: This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by the New York Times. Right now, you can get full digital access straight to your phone or tablet or computer or however else you get your news for only $1 a week. $1. For less than the spare change you have hiding in your sofa cushions, you can get the world's greatest newspaper. Help support freedom of speech, journalism, and actual news, not the fake stuff that's been created and shared by someone with an agenda. Right now, it's more important than ever that we get our news and we know where it comes from, and it comes from a trusted source, and there is no better way to do that than by subscribing to The New York Times for $1. Head on over to thenytimes.com to find out more. Before we get started on this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I wanted to say a quick thank you to everyone who has taken the time to write into the show over the past few weeks. It's always nice to hear from listeners around the world. If you are so inclined to write in, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. Saying that the last few months has been strange would be an understatement. The world's completely different now, but restaurants are opening again. They are allowed to open again, and often like in my home of Ontario, Canada, by only allowing outdoor patios with tables six feet apart and very intense cleaning procedures. For those of you listening who are back to work, I first want to wish you good luck. The coming weeks are not going to be easy. Trying to maintain business with half of your capacity is going to be difficult. Staffing is going to be difficult. It's round two in the fight for hospitality workers and owners, and I know that you will see it through to the other side. If you are also listening to this as a fan of let's talk about chef i am begging you go to a restaurant go to a patio eat dinner and support your local restaurants tip your server like you just won the lottery and send compliments back to the kitchen restaurants need us now more than ever and let's be here for them this week's episode is about the hungriest man in history it contains graphic depictions of eating Sometimes bodily functions, murder, espionage, crime, medical experience, uh, animal abuse, cannibalism, and some of it is, quite frankly, not fit for children's ears. In fact, all of it is not fit for children's ears. So if you have kids in the car or you have a weak stomach, wait until later to listen. That's enough for me. Let's get right into this week's episode of Let's Talk about Chef. Hunger is a fascinating thing. It has caused wars. It has caused mayhem. It has also caused our species, Homo sapiens, to branch out from our birthplace in the Middle East and cover our entire planet in search of food. Hunger has created technology, changed landscapes. We invented fire to cook food. We domesticated animals so we could eat them hunger and our constant pursuit of it has caused our ancestors to put salt onto vegetables and by doing that changed our brains to what we know them to be today we in the western world have mastered hunger for those lucky enough to eat as much as all of us listening do we are lucky we have cupboards full of preserved food fridges full of fresh food restaurants ready to feed us whenever we want as they are opening again we are lucky As with most origins of episodes of this show, I was lying awake at 3am thinking about a new episode. It's been weeks since I have made a new Let's Talk About Chef, and that's because of a lot of different reasons. Running a charity, starting a new business, a divorce, coronavirus. And as I was lying there running through everything in my head, I realized I was hungry. So I lay there and wondered if I should get up. And then, for some reason, I wondered who was the hungriest person ever. Who was it? There had to be someone. There had to be one person in history that for some reason ate more than anyone else. So in the dark, I reached for my phone and was not prepared for what I found. Today on Let's Talk About Chef, we are talking about espionage, war, murder, disease, food, freak shows, and the life of one French man named only Terrare, the hungriest man in history. Terare was born in 1772 in France in a small farmhouse in the countryside outside of Lyon. His parents were poor, they didn't have much, and for some reason decided to birth a child who by the age of 12 could eat a quarter of a cow a day, which weighed as much as he did. Every single day his parents would try to feed their son, and his unrelenting hunger, and every day Terrare would eat and eat everything they brought to him, begging for more. Often the home would be completely out of food, so Tarare would walk the countryside and eat everything he found, like live snakes, birds, and pets of neighboring farms. His hunger wouldn't stop. It drove him not unlike a drug addict trying to find their next score, searching constantly for food and doing whatever he could to get more. By the age of 17, his parents had had enough, and they kicked their son, who they thought might be a demon, out of their home for good, completely excommunicating him from the family. For a while, he found himself homeless and on the streets of Paris, where he would beg for food and eat the garbage he found in the streets. You would think that this boy of 18 would be enormous, obese, but he wasn't. He only weighed a 100 pounds at the time, but his skin would sag off of his slender body. His cheeks drooped off of his face and were so large that he could fit 12 hard-boiled eggs or a dozen apples in them. His teeth from eating everything he found had turned a foul green color, and the skin around his stomach when he hadn't eaten was so loose that he could wrap it around himself like a beach towel. After he would find a pile of trash or a rotten bushel of apples lying on the road, he would devour it in seconds, not even chewing, and would fall asleep on the street with his stomach distended out in front of him like he was nine months pregnant. Eating garbage, thrown away cuts of animal intestines behind butcher shops in the city resulted in Tarare smelling so bad that people struggled to be within 20 feet of him. It was recorded that visible stench could be seen coming off of him like a vapor. It wasn't long before Tarare realized that if he stood on street corners and ate in front of a crowd, that the crowd would actually feed him, just to watch him swallow whole whatever they gave to him. He would swallow buckets of wine corks, bushels of fruit, even live animals. One of his best-received acts that would be sure to draw a crowd would be catching a stray cat, killing it, and then eating it in a few seconds. He would cough up the hair and whatever bones he swallowed later, like a hairball. Tarari wasn't doing this for the act. He wasn't doing this to entertain. He was doing all of this so that he could eat, so that he could feed the hunger that drove him mad if it wasn't satiated. A traveling street performer watched in disbelief as the young skinny man swallowed several melons whole and asked him if he wanted to join his freak show. He agreed under the only condition that he be fed constantly. The now 19-year-old joined the traveling group of prostitutes and thieves as their star attraction. While he was standing on a soapbox in front of the crowd with his massive deformed jaw would swing open swallowing whatever the crowd would give to him as the thieves make their way through the crowd pickpocketing everything they could find. One member of the crowd wrote in watching the young man eat a cat. He seized a live cat with his teeth, disemboweled it, sucked its blood and ate it, leaving the bear skeleton only. He also ate dogs in this manner. On one occasion, it was said he ate a live eel without chewing it. Because of the sheer amount of cats and dogs that Terare would consume during his shows, it was said that the stray animals of Paris started to recognize him, and they would run away from wherever he was. At night, while Paris slept, he would stalk the alleys and streets trying to find thrown away food to eat, eating everything he could to try and stop feeling hungry. You would think by now that the man would be insane, that his mind would be warped, but he was as normal as anyone else, He was sane, and he could carry on a normal conversation, if you could get close enough to him without gagging from the smell. War of the First Coalition broke out in France, and Tarare instantly joined. Not because of a sense of patriotism, but because he knew that if you were in the army, you would be fed. He had grown tired of trying to find food on the streets night after night, and the army offered him a chance to eat all of the time. He, however, quickly discovered that the rations the army gave him three times a day weren't enough to satiate his appetite, so he would do favors and chores of other soldiers in exchange for their food. His superiors noticed how much the man was eating, so they bumped his meal up to that of four men. And still, it wasn't enough. While the rest of his company slept, Tarare would be behind the mess hall in the garbage pile, trying to eat after the pile had been picked clean, he would then make his way to the hospital, scarfing down the leftover meals patients and wounded men had left behind. And if that wasn't enough to feed him, he would sneak into the laboratory and eat the poultices which were soft masses made of flour and doused in pain-relieving medication that were used by doctors to treat cuts and inflammation. He spent so much time trying to find food and not sleeping, his plan of being fed in the army backfiring, that he was admitted to the military hospital that he was stealing from with a case of severe exhaustion. The doctors in the hospital were stunned by the medical anomaly that they were witnessing and tasked with trying to figure out, His appetite was something that they had never seen or heard of before, and so the testing began. Baron Percy, the chief surgeon, began to test the appetite of Tarare first by restraining him for the day, leaving him crying with hunger while unable to get out of bed to eat, then leaving him in a room by himself with enough food for 15 people piled onto a table. After a few minutes, the doctor opened the locked dining room door and found that the two massive meat pies, a dozen plates of grease with salt, bread, and four gallons of milk and copious amounts of gravy were all gone, and the young man was fast asleep in the middle of the table, his belly stretching out from his body and a smile on his face. The next day, the doctor presented him with a live cat. He tore the abdomen open with his teeth, drank its blood, and ate the entire thing in a matter of seconds. The rest of the hospital staff heard what was happening and began to offer him more and more unusual animals, like snakes, lizards, and even apparently bear cubs, all of which he swallowed without hesitation. Baron Percy kept Tarare in his hospital for months, and the testing continued. Until the military came asking for him to be returned to military service, he was, after all, still an enlisted soldier who had been living in the hospital for months, being fed random things, seemingly for the amusement of the hospital staff, all on the military's dime. But Percy, not wanting to lose his subject on the front lines, came up with a different idea. Percy went to General Alexandre de Béchamie with the idea to seal secret notes in a small wooden box that Tarare would then swallow. They actually demonstrated this in his office. Two days later, the box was retrieved, and the note was still legible. So now Terrare was the weirdest French spy that has ever lived. The general wasn't as enthusiastic as the doctor about Terrare's spying ability. He also didn't think that the young man was mentally sound. So he wrote a note, put it in the wooden box, and gave it to Terrare to swallow, telling him that he must sneak across enemy lines and get it to a French colonel who was imprisoned by the Prussians. The note he told him was of great military importance, but in reality all it said was, can you let me know if you get this note? Tarare crossed the German border dressed as a peasant, wooden box safely concealed in his stomach. He was going to prove the general wrong. He was going to try to not eat anything until the note of great military importance was delivered. He would then return with the colonel's note back to the general safely concealed in his stomach and proudly hand the wooden box back, that came out of his backside, back to the general and be a hero. What happened was he got about 34 minutes into Germany before he was caught because a he couldn't speak German and b he stank really badly, and it seems like an important step in being a spy to maybe speak the language. He was strip searched and of course the Germans found nothing. He was then whipped and still Terrare wouldn't talk. So then they locked him in a cell with no food for 24 hours and he promptly gave up everything immediately. The Prussian soldiers chained him to a toilet for another 30 hours until the box emerged. The German general who was in charge of interrogating Tarare was furious, when he read the note basically saying, hey what's up, from the French general, so he sent Tarare to the gallows where he stood with a noose around his neck for a bit, thinking he was going to be hanged at any moment, before the Germans took him down, beat the crap out of him, and then dropped his body near the French front lines, telling him that maybe he shouldn't be a spy. Tarare woke up back in the hospital under the care of Baron Percy. After his hunger had quite literally caused him to fail at being a spy, he begged the doctor to fix his appetite so he could be normal, and so the doctor got to work. They tried everything Percy and his staff could think of. Tobacco pills, wine vinegar, laudanum, which is liquid opium. They tried stuffing him full of soft-boiled eggs for some reason, and still it wasn't enough to satisfy his appetite. At night, Terare would sneak out of the hospital and scavenge for offal left behind butcher shops. He would fight stray dogs in gutters for scraps of meat and other dead animals. He was caught several times lying under the beds of patients in the hospital that were receiving bloodletting, doing his best Dracula impression, if you know what I mean by that. And he was also found in the mortuary eating dead bodies. Percy had had enough. He couldn't have this high-on-opium monster running around his hospital drinking blood and eating dead people, and right before he was about to kick Tarare out of the hospital, a 14-month-old baby went missing from the maternity ward. Although they could never prove that the baby had been eaten, it was the final straw, and Tarare was thrown out of the only home he knew. The next four years were lost ones for Tarare. Nobody really knows where he went or what he did. There are some who believe he went back to Paris, roaming the streets begging for food. Others say he went to England, to London, a place where he was unknown and could exist in the slums and in the shadows. And there are others who believe that he just lived in the garbage dump outside of Paris, surviving on all the trash. All that's known for certain is that for four years, he ate and ate every day, non-stop. Baron Percy was working at the hospital in Versailles when word reached him that there was a new patient who wished to see him. It had been four years, and it was Terrare now bedridden and weak and unable to properly move. He told the doctor that he had swallowed a golden fork a few years earlier and he thought it was lodged somewhere inside of him causing his illness because he'd never seen it come out. Percy, on the other hand, noticed that maybe it was the severe tuberculosis that was causing his illness. Thirty days later, he died in the hospital, with Baron Percy at his side, his only real friend he ever had in the world. The man and probable cannibal with the largest appetite ever was no more. An autopsy was performed by Percy and he found that Terare's stomach was of course abnormally large, so big it filled his entire abdominal cavity, his digestive tract was abnormally short, and his body was filled with what appeared to be a white liquid, and then the stench of having him cut open forced them to evacuate that part of the hospital. The medical science and practices of the time were so confused and so medieval that we simply won't actually ever know what was wrong with Tarare. You have to remember that doctors of this era used to prescribe drinking raw mercury to get rid of head demons, and God help you if you were diagnosed with ghosts in your bones. Modern doctors who have tried to figure out what caused Tarare's hunger all have guessed at different things, like maybe it was a massive hookworm or a parasite, a psychological condition, but when they try to add all of his problems together along with the disfigured body, visible smell, no gums, and on and on and on they too fall short of an explanation no one will ever know why Tarare needed to eat so much why he possessed such a genuine and constant biological need to eat being born cursed with eternal hunger and a hunger so severe that it never goes away must have been a truly awful existence and one that hopefully won't happen again I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written by me, Brian Clark, and produced by Tim McDonald. I want to thank the New York Times for letting me talk about them again this week. If you want to write into the show, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at chefbrianclark. I want to thank everybody who keeps listening to the show because honestly it's been kind of amazing to see the show grow so big in places like Brazil and Guatemala and South Africa over the last few weeks and I really, really thank you. We will be back as soon as we can be. And so until then, as always, have a great service and have a great week.
1: With a heart attack on your plate, you were looking back on your days. How you spend them all in a blur when they asked if you were for sure. Let the sugar melt down your throat cause you know it's sweet getting old with a lollipop and a row. let the hospital be your home cause your knees are scratched and your eyes are black put a plaster there and I'll sign your cast at the end some familiar names in tiny print on the cover page of the year grainy photographs greasy hair but it's noon o'clock and you're still asleep your coffee's cold your coffee's icy cause your knees are scratched and your eyes are black Put a plaster there and I'll sign your cast Keys fact to